What's been interesting is that a lot of these investors have been sitting in cash for the majority of the year. But in recent weeks, what they've been doing is kind of moving back into equity. So I think that's definitely a change in terms of the sentiment. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. The Bank of Canada's latest trend-setting interest rate hike of half a percentage point marks perhaps its last in the current cycle. In today's episode, portfolio managers Alfred Lee, Chris Heeks, and your host, Mackenzie Box, discuss why the central bank may have hit at least a pause on rate hikes. They also discuss the upside for value and dividend stocks, as well as growing institutional bullishness for equities overall. And finally, paths for effective tax loss selling before the end of the year. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoets.ca. Good morning, and welcome to our BMO ETFs Weekly Insight Podcast with our team of experts. I'm today's host, Mackenzie Box, VP of Product and Strategy at BMO Global Asset Management. First off, I just want to thank everyone for taking the time to tune in. We greatly appreciate you listening and providing your feedback each and every week. Today, I'm joined by Alfred Lee and Chris Heeks, who are both portfolio managers on our ETF desk. So thank you, Alfred and Chris, for joining us today. So this is a really timely call today, as we just had the Bank of Canada announcement earlier this morning. So we'll keep on that topic for now. Uh, So we'll start with you, Alfred. Can you give us a more formal update of uh, this morning's Bank of Canada announcement and what the expectations are moving forward? And then can you also touch on how to position a fixed income portfolio using bond ETFs around this recent announcement? Yeah, so we just got the Bank of Canada announcement this morning. So no real surprise. I mean, the market was anticipating um, either a 25 basis point rate hike or a 50 basis point rate hike. Market was leaning slightly towards a 25 basis point rate hike. We were anticipating on the desk that we probably get a 50 basis point rate hike. But no real surprise overall. I think, you know, when you look at uh, the Bank of Canada, no real surprise that they came on the higher end of expectations. I think if you look at, you know, the CPI readings year over year, uh, the last couple of readings that we've got, a little bit mixed. So even though, you know, the CPI reading in Canada, the last reading we got was 6.9%, overall, it's 80 basis points lower than what the CPI reading in the U.S. was. But as I mentioned, I, I think the last two readings were a little bit mixed, right? So the October reading, which was the last reading, came in at 6.9%, which was no different than the reading that we got in, in September. So both of those came in at 6.9%. So as a result of that, and we don't really get another CPI reading until December 21st, the recent jobs number was very strong as well. So I think, you know, the Bank of Canada, what they were doing here was playing it safe, uh, really want to send a message to the market that they are still focused on fighting inflation. So I think the 50 basis point rate hike or that move was more of a prudent move uh, compared to, you know, the 25 basis points that the market was kind of leaning towards. But I think, you know, the general sense is the market is anticipating that the Bank of Canada's rate hike cycle is coming to at least a pause. Uh, Some people are calling for, 
you know, essentially an end to the rate hikes uh, at some point in the in the new year. But I, I think the general consensus is we are at least um, going to get at least a pause. Um, some changes in the language in terms of the Bank of Canada um, softening their languages in terms of uh, further rate hikes as well. So that's, you know, a, a positive development just in terms of, um, you know, people looking for a risk rally coming into the new year. Um, that should be good for equities and bonds overall. But, you know, overall, I think when you look at the yield curve right now, we have seen a pretty significant move in terms of the overnight rate going from in January, 25 basis points to 4.25. That is the fastest pace on record, uh, faster than what we saw in the late 70s and early 80s as well. But one concern that the Bank of Canada has to take into consideration at this point is that when you look at the difference between the 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 10 year and the two years at this point, this is the largest inversions we we've seen since 1990. So uh, that is a concern that the Bank of Canada has to consider at this point. Obviously, if they keep hiking into this, that potentially does cause a lot of damage uh, to the economy. But anecdotally, if we look around and we look at the areas of inflation, you know, housing market, for example, it is starting to cool. I mean, I've, I've been just keeping an, uh, an eye on in terms of postings. What I've been noticing is that a lot of properties are being reposted at a lower price. They're sitting there and then being reposted again at a lower price as well. Uh, Canadian Tire also reported that they are you know, noticing a buildup in inventory as well, which you know does uh, show you that it is but, you know, essentially the opposite problem that we had a year ago, right? So we are starting to see supply uh, come back, which is going to be good for inflation as well. Um, but in terms of your question, in terms of bond positioning, I think for the most part, a lot of people have been hugging the short end of the curve, which you know ultimately has been the right decision year to date, especially given that there really hasn't been a big difference between you know the yields that we've been you know give uh, the yields that we've been seeing on the short end of the curve and the long end of the curve. Um, so you know hugging the short end of the curve has made sense from that respect, um, especially when you consider you know the correlation between the long bonds and the equity markets, they've been increasingly correlated, which means that it really hasn't benefited investors to have exposure to long bonds in order to offset equity market risk. But at this point, I think it does make sense to take more of a barbell approach when it comes to bonds, You know, combining um, a short ETF position and also a long-term bond ETF position as well. I think the way to play it right now is that you can overweight credit on the short end of the curve. So essentially going into something like ZCS, which is our short-term corporate bond ETF, and then combine that with something like ZFL, which is our long federal bond ETF, or something like ZTL, uh, which is the long-term U.S. Treasury ETF, which is an even better um, option, in my my opinion, given that it does give you um, you long government bond exposure but also exposure to the U.S. dollar in order to hedge that equity market risk as well. So I think in terms of bond positioning, I think that's the best way to play it. You maximize yield on the short end of the curve, but you also get some recessionary protection on the long end of the curve as well. Um, I think the ratio uh, that's probably adequate at this point is maybe 75% on the short end uh, and then 25% on the long end. So 75% ZCS and then 25% in ZTL. I think that's the appropriate way to play it. Perfect. Thanks, Alfred, for that update. Does market volatility have you wondering where to go to ride out the storm? Not all cash equivalents are created equal, and BMO's money market and ultra-short-term bond ETFs offer several high-quality options to park client cash. 
To learn more, visit bmoetfs.ca and search for tickers ZMMK, ZST, and ZUS, or read our latest product insights. Chris, we're going to switch gears to you. We've seen dividends be one of the top performing factors for this year. Can you give us an update of where you see this factor for 2023 and why it's performed so well this year? For sure. Thanks, Mackenzie. Uh, yeah, it's been great to see dividends have been historically a tried and true approach to, to investing. Um, that being said, not every dividend company is created equally. Uh, but we have noticed over long periods of time that dividend growers and dividend payers, meaning dividend and companies that are paying out sustainably, have led to better performance outcomes over time. Now, that being said, uh, you know, the last kind of couple of years before COVID, you know, really the story was all about IT and all about growth and dividends took a little bit of a, of a backseat uh, during that time. But, um, you know, really in the last, call it 12 to 18 months, and, you know, especially this year, dividends have really come back to shine. You know, we've seen the pressure that growth equities have had this year as a result of higher interest rates. And it's really played into the favor of dividend and ETFs, and particularly when you focus on high quality dividends. And, you know, that's definitely uh, something we try to focus on uh, within our lineup of ETFs. So, um, you know, the, the three that, you know, I'm looking that we look at are, are ZDV, BMO Canadian Dividend ETF, uh, our ZDY, BMO US Dividend ETF, and then we have our ZDH, the BMO uh, International Dividend ETF hedged to Canadian dollars. If you look at the three of those dividend ETFs, they're actually all positive for the year. Uh, so you're seeing outperformance of anywhere from 4% in Canada. Uh, there's outperformance of about 14% in the US and an outperformance of 7% in international. All three are positive. So um, so again, you know, when we think about putting together a, a dividend portfolio, you know, it's all about blue chip, high quality dividend payers, not just reaching for high yielders. That's not always the best uh, scenario and, and, and would not have worked out uh, very well in a year like this where we had higher risk. But those blue chip dividend payers are, you know, really been a great place to be in. We're seeing that with those positive returns in such a challenging year. You know, when I think about outlook, I think there's more room to run, certainly, for value and dividend yield. You know, and both of those factors are are somewhat connected to each other. One thing I think that's on the outlook, and as we know, typically happens at the end of hiking cycles, which perhaps we're coming to a pause, as Alfred mentions, you know, is there's volatility and that risk of economic slowdown. Again, from a relative basis, being invested in blue chip dividend paying companies, you know, this is a time when they're expected to outperform the broad index where you see more cyclical elements of the, you know, uh, the index may potentially be challenged. Another component that I like about dividends and value in this current environment is that potential for sticky inflation. So what sticky inflation means is sticky interest rates on the upper end. And I think that will continue to play into the hands of dividends versus kind of growth equities. You know, growth equities will still perhaps have to reset a little bit from a price to earnings valuation perspective. But, you know, high quality dividend companies like such as the Canadian banks, even certain energy players right now, they're trading at PEs, you know, sub 10 forward PEs, you know, can offer a great source of yield and, and are known to be very sustainable in that yield. So 
it's been a great place to be this year. And I think the outlook into 2023, I think it's a place where we continue to look at quality dividends and, and our ETF lineup to provide exposure there. Thanks, Chris. Alfred, we'll turn the next one to you. We've seen some interesting fund flows in the last couple of weeks or so. Can you just give us a high level overview of some of the positioning you've been seeing on your end? Thanks. Yeah, for sure. So a lot of uh, interesting fund flows that we've been seeing on the desk, uh, both from the retail side and institutional side as well. So, you know, typically what we find is, you know, December, there's a lot of year end positioning um, in terms of the portfolio. Uh, but this year, it's, I, I'd say, you know, been, um, you know, uh, it's been very active just due to you know, the losses that we've seen in both the fixed income side of the market, the equity side of the market as well. So a lot of, you know, year end uh, tax loss selling. Um, especially on the retail advisory side, um, the fixed income market, especially where you know it's not typical that we do see uh, losses in the fixed income market. At one point, uh, the fixed income market was down double digits, so a lot of investors have been taking advantage of this by selling you know fixed income uh, investments and then moving into fixed income ETFs. Uh, one trade that's been very popular is using discount bond ETFs. Um, so as a reminder. You know, when it comes to fixed income and fixed income related products, uh, people get taxed on their coupon rate, but then they receive their yield to maturity. So the, the trick is always to, you know, maintain a coupon level that is, you know, preferably lower than your uh, yield to maturity. Um, so with a lot of discount bond ETFs, you know, that uh, coupon rate is going to be lower than your plain vanilla fixed income ETF. Uh, but at the same time, you know, your total return is going to be um, essentially identical. So a lot of investors moving into things like ZDB, uh, which is our discount bond ETF, also the short discount uh, ZSDB, and also our corporate discount bond ETF, which is ZCDB. But a lot of investors just in terms of tax loss uh, positioning, uh, we've seen a lot of people move into cash or cash-related ETFs as well. I think what they're trying to do there is you know, they're crystallizing the losses first. So just getting those in the book. And just as a reminder, you could always retroactively apply those losses in the past three years if you don't have losses this year. But you could also carry them forward indefinitely as well, right? So it's a very powerful tool. Uh, but what a lot of investors have been doing is just crystallizing the losses now and just moving into you know, a money market ETF like ZMMK, which gets you a yield of you know 4.2%, and then worrying about what to uh, invest in after the new year. So uh, just a uh, key date to keep in mind is uh, December 28th is the last day to do tax loss selling. We also have our tax loss selling guide on our dashboard as well. So uh, definitely you know, check that out. Uh, but on the institutional side, what we've been seeing is a lot of repositioning just in terms of the portfolios. So we do have a number of you know, asset allocation accounts, a lot of you know, mutual fund managers that use our ETFs to uh, position their portfolios. Um, so what's been interesting is that a lot of these investors have been sitting in cash uh, for the majority of the year. Uh, but in recent weeks, what they've been doing is kind of moving back into equity. So I think that's definitely a change in terms of the sentiment where a lot of investors have been bearish over the last you know, couple of months. Uh, definitely looks like they are getting a little bit more bullish at this point, perhaps seeing you know an end to the tightening cycle and just moving back into risk assets. So um, you know, moving into, you know, broad-based ETFs like ZSP, for example, is a very cost-efficient way of getting into the S&P 500, um, you know, at only eight basis points. Um, but again, you know, another way is, you know, playing it more defensive. So getting into something like a low-vol ETF, 
uh, ZLB, for example, the Canadian low vol, uh, which has performed very well year to date. Uh, same thing with our U.S. low vol, uh, which is ZLU. So that's you know just a, a more defensive way of getting reacquainted to the market. So that's definitely what we've been seeing on the institutional side, but a lot of tax law selling on the retail side as well. Great. Thanks, Alfred, for the update. Ready for tax time? Check out the BMO ETF's Tax Loss Harvesting Guide for 2022, which features trade ideas to help your clients navigate the year's end and harvest tax savings from underperforming securities. To learn the advantages, potential pitfalls, and best practices, access BMO ETF's Tax Loss Harvesting Guide today at bmoetfs.ca. Chris, we'll turn the next one to you. What does the recent oil price tell us about the equity outlook overall? And as well, the ZEO, BMO Equal Weight Oil and Gas Index ETF outlook. Can you just touch on that for us? Yeah, for sure. So just to put some numbers on it, we're seeing uh, NYMEX, so New York Traded Oil, trade down to about 75 now. It was $80 before the Russian invasion. So we all know after the Russian invasion, it spiked into the 110s, if not 120s but has been lingering back to 75. So certainly catching uh, people's attention that I think are surprised to see it back in that level. You know, I think it's a, a couple factors that are happening. Um, you know, I think one is just overall, you know, concern about an economic slowdown um, just driven by central rate, central bank policy. So, you know, as we know, at the end of hiking cycles, there's typically a slowdown. The thinking this time around is it might not be as slow as in prior years. You know, you have a very strong consumer base. Uh, Saving rates actually were very strong during the COVID period overall. Um, And then you also have a very strong labor market. So, you know, those are some of the positives. Um, But but certainly I think the, you know, that kind of economic slowdown is weighing a little bit in terms of um, that oil price. You know, it's very economically sensitive. Uh, on the positive side, you know, in terms of where it could go from here, you know, one of the big stories in the last past few weeks has been China and the potential for a China restart. Uh, China has started really loosening their zero COVID policy quite significantly. You know, there's there's protests. I think, you know, we all saw those protests and 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 uh, demand from the population to restart their economy. Uh, that that could be really productive for oil. You know, that said, I think it's going to be quite wobbly. You know, one thing to consider is China really hasn't dealt with a lot of COVID because they've kept it so low. So, you know, they're going to have to deal with COVID infections and and what that means for 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 for, for the overall uh, economy. But overall, I think 12 months from now, China looks a lot more engaged uh, than they do today. And that's going to be a positive for oil. So there's a couple of things. There's a few unknowns, as there always is with oil, you know, OPEC. Uh, you know, there's the impact of new supply constraints as a result of geopolitics. You know, one thing that's talked about in the space is the lack of investment that's happened the past few years. You know, in Canada, investment has been significantly less, you know, largely due to, uh, you know, policy in Canada and the U.S. Um, so there's a bunch of things going on. But, you know, overall, you know, I think the one great thing for the companies that are in ZEO is, well, you got to mix the companies. First of all, you have the pipelines. Uh, which are going to see continued demand, uh, you know, is still very much, you know, an in-demand product that we use every day. Um, And then on the explorers and the integrated sides, you know, they are very profitable at oil in the $60 to $80 range. And, you know, as a consequence, their 
they're much more high quality, much you know better dividends uh, than they had before. So I think the prospect for the equities is is pretty good. Um, so you know I think having a minimum market weight you know percentage into uh, equities uh, of energy you know makes sense. So five to ten percent. You know we've got the tools on our on our website uh, where you can look through you know. For example, by holding dividend ETFs that we discussed earlier, uh, those are going to have some energy exposure. So your your energy exposure could come through anything. But if you need to dial it up a bit, like let's say, for example, you're in that ZLB, uh, the BMO Low Volatility Canadian uh, Equity ETF, you can dial it up with ZEO. It's a great tool to to tack on that that sector exposure to get it to where you want uh, you know want it to be. So, uh, yeah, that's the overall insight. But yeah, I think being market weight to slightly over market weight still makes sense. There's a lot of things happening that I think, uh, you know, energy will probably continue to be productive into next year. We'll follow up with one more question for you, Chris. And I think Alfred touched on this briefly before. Uh, Just given the returns of 2022, uh, most fixed income managers have unrealized losses in their portfolio. So it's a great time to crystallize some of those losses. Can you just walk us through the process and maybe some insight on tax loss selling? So, yeah, I think Alfred covered it well, you know, in talking about the flows. uh, But we are seeing a lot of meaningful tax loss trades on both the equity. But what's probably new is, is, it's like Alfred discussed on the fixed income side. You know, this this is, you know, could be considered a once in in a lifetime or perhaps once in our lifetime, at least, opportunity. You know, we don't generally see fixed income down. 10% 10% in a year. So there is that opportunity. Uh, the largest trade we've seen, um, like, like Alfred said, is from individual bond holdings into an ETF. And, you know, there's a lot of overall benefits for increasing ETFs in terms of liquidity, you know, it's low cost and diversification, of course. Uh, so we've seen some large trades from individual bonds. So we've seen some trades from ETF to ETF as well. Um, yeah, being mindful to, you know, we think uh, switching, you know, to say uh, a different index. So not going from a same index ETF to same index ETF, but switching to an ETF like a, a BMO discount bond ETF, like as a DB from an aggregate bond exposure, can work very well. So yeah, we want to reiterate that, as Alfred said, um, you know, the ETF dashboard, B- BMOETFS.ca has uh, information on and ideas with regards to that and many other things as well. And, you know, in terms of process, I'd just say reach out to us or reach out to your ETF wholesaler and they can help, uh, you know, help help walk through the process. Say if you have individual bonds and, and are looking to convert them to an ETF, we can help out there for sure. So just let us know, um, you know, if any help or assistance is required. Great. Thanks, Chris. That's all the questions that we have uh, for this week. So I just want to thank everyone for listening and tuning in. And uh, a special thank you to both Alfred and Chris for providing some great insights. And I just want to wish everyone a great week ahead. Thanks so much. Thank you to Mackenzie Box, Alfred Lee, and Chris Heeks for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO Long Federal Bond ETF, ticker ZFL, which gives investors attractive yield with recessionary protection. Our experts also discussed the BMO S&P 500 Index ETF, ticker ZSP, which provides efficient exposure to high-quality U.S. dividend stocks. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. That's bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. 
Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. BMO Global Asset Management is a brand name under which BMO Asset Management Inc. and BMO Investments Inc. operate.